Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello there, Internet Wanderers. Welcome back to a brand new season of Real Psych. I am Dr. J.D. Barton, and I am a licensed clinical psychologist. Uh, and I am Dr. Joanna Witkin, and I am a cognitive neuroscientist. Real Psych is your favorite podcast where we share our gorgeously thoughtful opinions on the psychological phenomena playing out in all of your favorite movies. JD, will there be learning? Today, absolutely. Will there be science? Today, we'll consider it. Will there be delightfully informal, explorational, informational conceptualizations from two best friends who would be talking about this anyways? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> Y'all, we're back at season two. We did it. Can you believe? Can you believe it? Can you match? <laughs> <laughs> we are here. Joanna, I have not seen you in a cute little minute on account of... I know. We see each other all the time, so when we take a four-week hiatus, we don't see each other all the time. Yeah, it's wild. It feels like it flew by, but it also feels like oh, I feel refreshed. I feel ready. Absolutely flew because yeah. dang, <laughs> I, I texted you yesterday and was like, oh, right. We're supposed to drop an episode on Tuesday, when it's Thursday, <laughs> which means we got to pick a movie, watch a movie, research a movie, and Do record a, a new episode, and then edit it. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are on a Friday, and uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It's so good to see you. How you been? Me too. I know. I've been good. I was just in Florida in Miami for like two weeks. Wow. Which just like never thought I'd go back there. But it was really nice. There was like lots of like nostalgia. and. Well, in August is like the perfect time to be in Florida. <laughs> August, it was so The weather hot. is just so... It's like it's a dry, like a, cold. It's right. like cold and dry. It's a warm, wet like hug. Like my sense of humor. The equator. <laughs> uh, no, it was good, though. Like, I, it's funny. My boyfriend asked, like, because we, we drove past campus. I bet. And, um, you know, he was like, do you miss grad school at all? And I was like, I do not. No. But <laughs> no. I'm very grateful that I went. And I, you know, I, I feel like it was such a transformative time in my life and but i am also so happy it is now done yeah and over and not what i'm doing right no. now so yeah i mean but it was like cool to kind of revisit that i don't know yeah it gave us us mm-hmm. without that we would not have real psych and so our thousands of downloaders are so grateful for the university of miami <laughs> in that sense <laughs> As am I. Yeah, no, it was good, though. Like, I went snorkeling. Love that. I did, you know, fun beach stuff, and uh, it was just nice. Love that. Yeah. I love that. How about you? Well, I went on vacation. I went to Italy, which is where mm-hmm. uh, Italian dressing comes from. I don't know if you were aware. <laughs> it's the home of Italian dressing. Um, right. And I had a lovely time. I will say, like, Italy is closed in august for the most part so it was a lot of like oh it'd be cool to see that if it was open that would have been neat Um, closed like everyone's on holiday everybody's on holiday and then we also went to uh sardinia uh, with my friend david we went to sardinia which is an island that like all the italians like to go to on vacation so it was also Mm -hmm. weird to be like in big crowded areas in italy and this is gonna sound so stupid and i'm gonna be vulnerable and say it being in really crowded areas in italy and just hearing everyone speak Italian? Like, and being like, wait, there's no one here speaking English? Like, we are truly, I don't think we met any other, oh, we met one American who was actually, he lives in Amsterdam, though, and he was there with his Italian boyfriend. Uh, Mm. And we met, that is, I think, the only American person in, like, many days, which, again, I hear, y'all, I hear. Of course, you would find each other. It is insane 
for me to be like, isn't it weird? I went to Italy and everybody was Italian. But like, I'm so used to like, especially as a tourist, going to touristy places where other tourists are coming from. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was very funny. It's like, why don't these people speak English? <laughs> I didn't. I never said that. No. <laughs> uh, I never said that not once. It, it felt actually initially very cool to be like, oh, this is where the Italians spend their time. And then it just felt really difficult because so many people did not speak English. And I really don't speak Italian. So it was a lot of like, hmm, hmm, let me just yeah. sign this for you. <laughs> In American Sign Language. In American Sign Language. Um, yeah. But uh, you know, at one point I, I was really tired and I just started speaking Spanish. And I was like, that's not it. Oops. My bad. <laughs> I speak a little bit of Spanish and a little bit of French. And I've only been to, like, Spanish-speaking countries yeah. and then France. But I, w- I dipped into Italy for, like, an afternoon because yeah. we were driving yeah, along sure. the coast. Just a dip. And I... Just a little dip. And... It was so we. I'd never been to a country that like well up until that point where like I had zero understanding of the language. It's wild and like especially it was they such say a if weird you, like, fa- speak feeling. French and Spanish, then like Italian's easy. But like I'm like okay at French and okay at Spanish, and Italian is hieroglyphics. Like I'm like I yeah, don't. I can't. I can't hear what what yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was a but it was a fun time. Um, got lost on a lot of trains. Toot toot. It was uh, <laughs> it was wild. Uh, but it was fun. And it was beautiful, and it was so warm. It's also uh, just for the fans out there listening. A little little hint of our uh, experience right now. I am fully shirtless recording this because it is a hundred yeah. degrees in LA, and I have to turn off all the fans and AC units in order to and like you're record. Turning this. up the heat even <laughs> so more. I'm just like, I'm just like. Um, you know, bare chested in this uh, for, for Joanna's <laughs> edification. I'm yeah. just trying to let her know that I'm a snack that she can't have. Yeah, which has been really like a, a huge issue in our entire friendship. <laughs> <laughs> the won't they, won't they of our whole <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I once had somebody, uh, one of my best friends, Emily, in college, somebody uh, referred to her as my um, my F-slur hag, as people do. And, and she said something so smart, which I just, she's a very smart person. But she said, you know what I hate about that term? And I was like, what? She's like, it just makes the entirety of our friendship about your sexual orientation and nothing else. Like, it just is like, yeah. it makes my interest in being friends with you just about your gayness and has nothing to do right. with just like you as a person. As a human being. And I was yeah. like, that's actually like a really good point. I mean, yeah, it's like an offensive term for lots of reasons, but. No, that's the only one. <laughs> that's the only one. That's the only one. It's subtle. It's really subtle. Yeah, it's real subtle. You have to think She's about it. She's fine with hag. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, she does identify as a hag. So, right, um, yeah. So, and I mean, I suppose I identify as an, as an F-slur. Um, <laughs> I do. I actually really enjoy that word for me to say. Right. Not for you. Fine exactly. for me. Another huge issue in our friendship. Huge. Huge. <laughs> Listen, I've told you, if you would just let me call you a hag, you can call me the F-slur. <laughs> it's okay. You, if, if, you could just be like, oh, no, JD said it was okay. If I <laughs> said it. Yeah, people love that. People do love that. Uh, especially Gordy. Um, mm. All right, should we talk about a movie? Let's get started. Yeah, let's, let's get into season two. Let's do it. Uh, all right, I am so excited to talk about this movie you said there were so many taglines so many taglines yeah so we're gonna really get through it although you'll probably get it real fast okay um uh it's from the year 2000 okay i love that love that uh so the first one i like the most unpolished unkempt unleashed undercover Unpolished. Yeah. Unkempt. Unleashed. Undercover. Undercover. It's about dogs? No. (laughs) (laughs) Unleashed. Undercover? Yeah. There's so many. Do you want another tagline? There's so many good ones. Yeah. All right. 
Okay, okay. Okay, this one I really like. Um, this Christmas, get ready for a little peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Oh my God, what is wrong with me? Do you want another one? 2000. 2000. Yeah, sure. Okay, this one's, you're going to get it, but this one's so good. She's got a killer to catch right after the swimsuit competition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Oh, my goodness. I actually watched part of this recently. Like, it was just on TV, and I was like, yes to this. It it just, I had another movie picked, and I was like, let me just look through what's on HBO Max right now just to see. How have we not done this movie already? I know. And I was like, there's so much good stuff here. There's so much oh good my stuff gosh. here. Um, I've actually only seen this movie, I think, twice. I think I saw <gasps> it like in like 2002 or three when everybody was obsessed with it. And then I think I saw it again like a few years ago. 2000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit later than that. I've seen this movie roughly 30,000 times. Yeah. I mean, this is, this, is a, this is a movie that everybody knows or has seen. Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to like watching it through our lens because like... Definitely, because like, there are what's problematic the parenthetical going to be after the title of this movie in our in our episode? Yeah. Y'all know, y'all are already in it because we've already recorded it by the time you're here. But uh, I'm really excited to to dig in and oh, uh, this is going to be so good and learn some stuff about uh, Candy Bergen. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Unleashed. Is it about dogs? Okay. <laughs> That's it's a not. fair question. You know, there are actually <laughs> yeah. more taglines, too. I'm actually going to read some of them. Just Yeah, read so some good. more. Uh, so, uh, never mess with an agent in a dress. That, like, felt a little obvious and yeah, not yeah. as clever. I liked the she's got a killer to catch right after the swimsuit competition. And the other mm-hmm. one is also not very helpful, but uh, you probably would have gotten it, is uh, she's about to give crime fighting a makeover. <laughs> but then yeah. it would have made it sound like she was giving the makeover. So I was like, that one's misleading. So I kept it out. Right. But, uh, yeah, I also just love... And the Christmas one, I was like, wait, this Christmas, Christmas. Get ready for a little peace on earth and goodwill towards men. It's a good one because it came out <laughs> of Christmas, clearly. Right, right. Um, big fan. Uh, uh, great movie. Yes. Sandy B. Look at me. Love I'm her. Sandra B. <laughs> Lousy with congeniality. Um, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. All right. Well, we'll be right back. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're back. We watched this movie. <laughs> we are back watching this movie as a psychologist mm-hmm. was so different than any time I have watched this movie before. It was. Yeah. And like I there were so many points where I was like, yep, this is very bad. Or like, yep, this shaped how I thought about women. <laughs> but yeah. But it also was still so enjoyable because I just love this movie. I love this movie. Sandra Bullock is a movie star. I mean, she's so likable. Made for this. The movie is also, it's giving Amanda Bynes. Like, it's giving Amanda Bynes. We talked about she's the man with this, like, very, like, hyperbolic, like, boorish, (laughs) disgusting, like, yeah, the way she she masticates. Yeah, like that, that whole thing was like weird, um, but like the whole walking funny. scene that was like recreated and she's recreated. Like, That's actually almost yeah. ex- like shot for shot. Amanda Bynes. Yeah. Um, you know the thing that I was surprised by was 
and granted, I don't think this is why I haven't like fallen in love with this movie. Like why I haven't seen this movie a million million times. It's just for some reason not been on my like heavy rotation. But mm-hmm. um, I the the homophobia in this movie actually really shocked me. Yeah, I was like, yeah, oh, like this with is Michael Caine's character. With Michael Caine's character was like particularly, rough. I feel like from it's Benjamin egregious. Bratt's character. Yeah, yeah. specifically yeah, yeah. from the lead dude. Mm-hmm. Was who's Peruvian, by the way? He is. Which I was also thinking, like, a of all, I love this. I love uh, so Sandra Bullock produced this movie, um, mm. and she started producing movies in like 1995. Which means Sandra Bullock like was barely a movie star, and she was like, you know what, I'm going to start doing making my own damn movies. Which yeah, that's awesome. we're going to talk a lot about feminism. We're going to talk a lot about like women and empowerment and all those things. That is a very empowered like woman in Mm -hmm. us in a time in like the mid nineties when like young women, especially were not uh, young women in Hollywood were not encouraged to be empowered. Oh, totally. And like a lot of her biggest movies, she produced, she produced hope floats. She produced Miss Congeniality. She produced practical magic. Like she produced like I a, did not lot, know that. a lot of the and, and then, you know, just about everything since then. But not but not everything, which I also really respect from Sandra Bullock, where mm-hmm. she's like, no, I'll also go on and do other people's projects. But I'm going to make sure to do my own. She did just produce like unsurprising the lost city. Like, you know, mm-hmm. but um, Ugh, that was it's fun. actually like like she didn't produce the speed films or she didn't produce like gravity. Um, I don't think I'm this is from a I Wikipedia while I was watching the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But like she it's sort of like. Uh, here and there but like I'm just so impressed with her for really like taking ownership of her own work in a way that like you know other people had done I think like Tom Cruise was probably doing that by then or like Mm -hmm. a few different people but like it was not the the model that a lot of people really follow now Reese Witherspoon or um uh Flower Child, uh, uh, Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore of the last film that we just watched (laughs) from the season finale of of season one of Real Psych um, but yeah, like a lot of people are, are, you know, producing their own, uh, Megan, uh, or Melissa McCarthy. Right. Um, I went to high school with somebody named Megan McCarthy. And so I, I often almost call her that. That's funny. Um, but yeah, uh, anyways, th- I feel like I've been talking too much thoughts. What are your thoughts, reactions, feelings before we synopsize her? No, I mean, I think that's amazing. She's like such a bona fide movie star. Um, and yeah. I think. There's a lot of themes to talk about here that I'm excited to talk about because, I mean, none of them are, like, brand new because this is, mm-hmm. like, a a space where, where, like, we have visited before, right? Yeah. Sexism, like, spoiler alert. But, um, but it's still, like, so enjoyable. And I wonder, I mean, is it Sandra Bullock herself, like, that makes it, like, you know, like, there's all of this, like, yeah, there's homophobia, there's sexism, there's like, you know, like fat subtle phobia. racism, like fat phobia. There's, I mean, feminism, like all of these things. But Sandra Bullock still carries this movie so well in a way that you're like, I don't know, you're rooting for her and you're like, just, she's just owning it. And you feel her being empowered, even though she's like conforming to beauty standards. Well, I think that like, and, you know, one of the things that's important to know is like being empowered in one way doesn't mean you're empowered in every way. Mm. And like we're looking at a time when like a lot of the stuff, a lot of the conversations we're having now and like, you know, you and I have like taken the time. A lot of folks, most of the people who listen to this podcast have taken the time to sort of have the wool taken off their eyes on a lot of these things. Right. How many times have we been like, oh, my God, this movie that I loved is so fat phobic. This movie that I loved is so racist, right? Yeah. And so, like, I I think there is, like, a dialectic to be held here that, like, at the time, I think the movie was somewhat progressive in that it was, like, the the conversations that it was having at the time were somewhat progressive. From today's lens, this movie is so troubled. (laughs) Like, it is. So it's one of those things that, like, you know, to look at the conversations that we were living in a world where movie stars of color having having a a a man of color as the romantic interest who he gets with this like white woman is progress like that actually was it's notable in and of itself 
Totally. It is notable. Totally. And Sandra Bullock produced this too, which again, we can give her a little bit of props and that you know she had quite a bit of say probably in who got cast mm-hmm. as the leading man. And so like, you know, I think we can give this movie credit and we can hold this movie up to the light. I think we can do both yeah. of those things at once. And you yeah. can still love this movie. I mean, I still love, I mean, the one that keeps coming to mind for me is like, I, I will for all, forever love now and then. Now mm-hmm. and then hates fat people. <laughs> like really, yeah. really hates fat people. And so like I can acknowledge that like this movie did a bad job there. And it's something mm-hmm. that I that I has has this like nostalgia, this this love in my in my heart. I feel a little totally. less nostalgia toward this film. Um just as I said, it just never got in my my main rotation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there is something about this like empowered woman trope doing things her own way like legally blonde also comes to mind in oh this category That's in my heavy rotation. and that was like that was like those movies really shaped me as like a young woman who was mm-hmm. like i can mm-hmm. do anything and these women are so impaired but also yeah. like you know they're also really i don't know we'll, we'll talk more about and it, legally blonde is like, the anti this exactly but it's still legally this, blonde like, is pageant girl goes into serious space and yeah, this is serious and girl goes into pageant space i mean not that Elle Woods this, is technically a pageant girl but but like the the secret to their self-actualization relies on embracing their physical adherence to like social norms like like Elle Woods is like i'm smart and I can also be girly and pretty, right? That's like a feminist message. Or this is like, I'm an FBI agent and I can, you know, be in this pageant and be all glammed up and still feel like myself, actually be a better version of myself, right? Like, right. Feel like there empowered. is this, there's this like, I was trying to, I'm like not as well versed in feminist theory as like, I guess I should be, but there's, there's like this post feminism. Uh, like consumer focused like right. with with like makeover shows and reality shows like it's all about the makeover like I live for the makeover like you know what I mean like when totally. you see like that scene especially Miss Congenial is like one of the most famous makeover yeah. scenes again which, and we've like, talked about this I think a little bit where it's like so funny that it's like oh man you run a comb through her hair and she's a babe <laughs> right like, and it's kay. it's like so but it's also like I wish I had that. Like, I wish I had a team of people <laughs> who would, like, make me... Like, it's just this this weird, like... like. I wish I could start out looking like a fake trash monster and then all of a sudden yeah. get gorgeous. The trouble is, it's you've just... already leveled up. You already are. <laughs> I, I just think there's something that... About this, like, post-feminism where it's like, I'm empowered through actually adhering more towards beauty standards than I thought. I mean, there's this whole debate over, like, cosmetic surgery and stuff, too. I mean, yeah. Hey, I'm a fan. Hey, listen. (laughs) But it's like, how do you... Been to an aesthetic dermatologist before? I would be lying. I have not been under the knife, but I have been under the syringe, you know? Sure. Same. Like, and I have zero regrets about it. (laughs) No, but like, I have zero regrets about it. I felt amazing. Like, I felt great about it. It totally like, like improved how I felt about myself. And it's like, what does that mean about myself? (laughs) Like, how do we? I mean, yeah. Okay. So let's, because we're going to talk a lot. Um, My research is going to go deep into like self-esteem and beauty. So let's synopsize this. Yes. Um, for okay. those who haven't seen it, which like, eh, you should. Is there anyone out there who hasn't seen it? Yeah, if you like, haven't seen this, send us a DM. <laughs> I'm curious. Um, yeah. yeah. The the people who listen to this and the people who haven't seen Miss Congeniality, I feel like that number is small. They're overlapping circles. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, um, Gracie, Grace, Hart. Gracie Hart. Grace, Gracie Hart. Grace Hart. We open on uh, this childhood. slovenly. <laughs> oh yeah, childhood. childhood. Yeah, sorry. She defends the a boy in a fight, mm-hmm. and then he she... spits on her, or he's like mad at her. Yeah, like she defends this boy who's being picked on. She stands up to a bully, punches him in the face, is like a badass, and then is trying to console the the bullied child. 
and it's literally like pours her heart out to him is like i like you you know and he's like well i don't like you and like you know i don't need girls to think like i don't need girls to win my fights or whatever right. um and he's all resentful towards her even though she like saved him and so you see this kind of shape her yeah, she identity him in the face. <laughs> yeah of just like Socks you know him. yeah forget this right. um cut and to then, cut slovenly to, fbi agent on yes. a sting she's they're like in a restaurant they're uh spying on some russian like some russian like mafia we're supposed to assume i guess yeah Yeah. i I have i had issues with how this scene plays out because they they of course they do this thing they fat shame a waitress first uh in like nine different fat phobic jokes it was really bad um they fat shame a waitress and then uh it's also like a truck full of men like she's the only girl yeah there's a lot there's a lot of that too in this movie a lot. Um, they fat shame a, a waitress, and then they, uh, in the sting, you know, the the mafia boss thinks he's cool, and so as he's like trying to show how chill he is, he like throws a peanut in his mouth and starts choking mm-hmm. on a peanut. Sandra Bullock, of course, then isn't willing to let him just die, so she like goes in, does the Heimlich. Of course, like he grabs a knife, and then you know for a second. Although she then gets herself out of it, but then like there's a firestorm. Of, of bullets. Yeah, one, one, of, officer one of the gets agents. Hurt. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, they catch them. They're like Benjamin Bratt doing some stuff. His name is Eric Matthews, which I also found issues with. Um, literally, yeah. yeah well, a, definitely a issues with that. Boy especially just because, like, Boy Meets World was still airing. Like, yeah, what are it was they like doing? Fully That's still appropriation. Airing. I have no I know. Um, um, no, but really like whitewashing his name, which I don't oh, know. Whitewashing but, his name, especially because he is very phenotypically, you know, Latinx. Oh, yeah. Um, um yeah. but anyway, so, so <laughs> he is so handsome, <laughs> even though I like hate his character. Um, anyways, so they still end up catching the guys, but she's in big trouble because, and she feels really guilty because her actions, and she didn't somebody. listen. Yeah, she didn't listen right. to Ernie Hudson, her boss. Um, you know, he told her to not interfere, and she did anyway. And someone got hurt because of that because she couldn't like follow orders. So mm-hmm. she's on desk duty. Um, but then there's this like serial killer that they're trying yeah, to catch. This, like, terrorist who's like sending them coded letters with like mm-hmm. you know we get the nice little like shots of like leather gloves and like typing right. a thing and we get these things yeah and like so this, cutting letters yeah. out of a magazine right yeah totally <laughs> and so this this person the citizen is what they go by is like giving them a message grace figures out that it's the miss usa pageant mm-hmm. um and just as like she's coming in and Benjamin Bratt's like, yeah, that's what like our intelligence team figured out too. And then you see this great scene where Grace is like leading this whole investigation, but like from behind a desk that she's not supposed to. But really what it serves as is a scene where all these men are just hearing her own suggestions and then taking them as their own. Mm -hmm. And like, like Benjamin Bratt is taking her suggestions and everybody in the room is like, yeah, good idea, Benjamin Bratt. Like, and are really like, so it's like, of course, we're in on the joke, and I do think that, like, at the time, we're, like, I saw this as just, like, oh, she's really good, and I didn't see this as, like, oh, men take women's ideas in meetings all the time. I saw it as, like, oh, all she's, like... All the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a, an anecdote you wanted to share? No, I, it just I happens to me all the time. It even happens, like, um, like, inadvertently. Like, my boyfriend does this to me, and then, like, I'll point it out to him, and he'll be, like, oh, my God, that's so hilarious. I'm so sorry. But it's like, he still does it. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's just this unconscious thing. Like, he's not doing it maliciously. But he literally will be like, hey, what if we do this? And I'm like, I literally just said that, like, five minutes ago. I just Or, like, t- two that. days ago. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But he, like, literally thinks he's a genius for coming up with this idea. That I... Well, what is it? In- you impulse? are a genius. So maybe he's just like... You know, sense recognizes sense. Game meets game. It's just so funny. Like, he literally, it's just funny. He thinks it's it's very funny. Uh, and I, I laugh a lot about it. It's great. It's not an issue at all. No, but, um, but yeah, like, this happens all the time, for sure. I think as an adult being like, yep, that's about right. 
Right. I think I literally, if you listen to the first episode of this podcast, I think I did that to you. I was like, so when I came up with this idea for the podcast, to be fair, we like we we've been talking about this podcast for years. Oh yeah, it was like so very it really early was, collaboration. Like, lost yeah, yeah. in the lost in the sauce a little bit, and you were like, no, I'm pretty sure it was mine. And I was right. like, oh, and it, again, it fair. wasn't intentional. It was not intentional. not intentional. Yeah, not intentional. Still happened though. Um, still happens publicly. <laughs> Let's go on record. Um, Anyways, forever and ever. So yeah. So we're, so, yeah, yeah, so, so we're seeing her, her do this. Essentially, she's got, what we're learning is she's got really, really good ideas about how to catch this person. They decide, or she suggests that they send in an undercover agent to the mm-hmm. Miss USA, Miss United States Because they need States to get pageant. all the backstage access and all of that. Right. They need to, yeah, they need to get backstage access. They need somebody in there who can be everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Um Again, like, I think they'd just have heightened security. Like, they'd just be like, no, we're just going to have security everywhere. And, and, you know, we'll run sweeps before people get to go in the dressing rooms. No, but this it has isn't to reality. be an undercover. It has to be an undercover agent as person. a beauty contestant. In Well, that's a whole other thing United that I had pageant. issues with that was like, oh, Miss New Jersey has some kind of, you know, yeah, she disqualifying did porn, so it's event. also sex negative. Yeah, but born. also in addition to that, like there's a runner-up to the Miss New Jersey pageant. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> that I was like, oh, they're just not going to talk about that. Okay. Well, the internet didn't exist yet, so where was that person going to have a voice? Um, just kidding. It was the year 2000. <laughs> it existed, but like only barely. Yeah, um, justice for her. Justice for her. Um, let's do. Let's write that screenplay where it's like I was the runner-up to Miss Miss New Jersey 2000, <laughs> and nobody ever was willing to consider my position. <laughs> Um, that's how people in New Jersey talk, but only right. the ones who are in pageants. Right. Um, anyways, so she, they have this nightmare scene with this video software that they decide to see, like, which agent well, is essentially... here's a very notable thing about that scene, is they're using technology that was originally designed for little girls to dress up their Barbie dolls. Yes. So it all, it's, it's, it's like... You know, part of the problem. It's consumer. Yeah, we were doomed before it even started. Exactly. Uh, And so they use this software to take photos from the database and see what the women who work for the FBI would look like in these dresses. Mm -hmm. And where it's very figure like showing. Very yeah, figure. figure. Also, like this is the software still does not exist. Like this is not a real thing. But um. Not in this way. But anyways, so they have this whole scene where they are just like, oh, look how ugly these women are. Barf. I'm going to puke a million pukes. It's so cringy. Yeah. It's so cringe. And then they do um, Sandra Bullock. Or no, they don't do Sandra Bullock. Yeah, of course, the boss catches them. Anyways, it gets to the point where they do Sandra Bullock as an idea where he's like, no, you actually, you're actually hot. Yeah. And she's like, like Yeah. I'm nobody. Yeah. Right. But also like physically, she's like so physically fit that like, you know, anyways. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that and how it's But they're like, surely impossible. Look at your hair. Like Surely impossible. You wear glasses. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so they they decided to send her this is a long synopsis. They send her into the pageant. Mm Mm-hmm. She's very resistant. They do a full makeover. The whole makeover um, scene, Mustang Sally food. walking out. Yeah, she can only have celery. She can it's only have celery thing, and she no looks sandwiches. so beautiful. She looks also like, let's just be real, like for those listening, and we'll talk about this. She's doing the pageant like tomorrow, and they're like, only celery today. And it's like, yo, like also, what you do I was thinking, in 24 yeah. hours is not going to change your weight. Well, bloating. Crash diets but don't work. I will say that, like, if well, her body. Well, bloating. <laughs> If her body looks like, like, obviously, whatever she's been doing has already been working for her. So just, like, right. relax, you know? Just chill. Yeah. yeah. She is Shredsingtons, and they're still only letting her have yeah. celery. Yep. Um, let's just really fly through this. Yeah. So Michael Caine is, Michael Caine is her, her coach. Her, her he, pageant coach. He's previously disgraced, so he's the only one who's available. So he does but it. He's he amazing. does a full makeover. They have a very... Um, antagonistic antagonistic relationship, relationship. Mm-hmm. um she's not allowed to sleep through any of this and they're constantly like you look so tired and i look at her and i'm like i've never looked this fresh-faced in my entire life like yeah not since and she birth. hasn't slept in like two days yeah and she's like oh i haven't slept in several days and it's like what? yeah 
Anyways. She doesn't, they, like, fit in with the girls, but she's kind of befriending them. She's trying to... They think um, that Miss Rhode Island might be the person because she was caught doing, like, a PETA march. And they have this one night where she starts... She tries to, like, crack her and find out if she's secretly the one who's doing this, only to discover, A of all, uh, that the, th- the one th- time she did one thing was, like, not a big deal. B of mm-hmm. all, she has incredibly strict parents who are, like, really unkind to her. And C of all, she discloses that she was sexually assaulted or yep. attempted. No, no, attempt, no, like full, uh, no, no, fully sexually assaulted. Her professor assaulted. assaulted her. Yeah. She never told anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, oh, and it Sandra happens Bullock's, all the time. It happens all the time. And Sandra Bullock is like, no, it doesn't. Which, like, I don't love... Sandra Bullock, I think, in the movie, let's give her some credit and say, like, I think what she's trying to say is, like, this isn't... this. Like it's not okay. Just because it how ha- it is common and it's not okay, right? Like yeah. I think it it does happen a lot, and mm-hmm. we need to acknowledge that just because it happens doesn't make it our okay. And and I, right. I do think Sandra Bullock, this exists. You know, in other films and things, there are moments that are sort of like assaulty. And again, this movie is very rape culturey in like the ways mm-hmm. that men are willing to talk about women's bodies and exploit women's bodies and different things like the like the scene. It is so you would be so fired if you got caught in a room full of people showing everybody's bodies and putting them in swimsuits and then saying how disgusting they were like and you Listen, should be so I fired. will tell you at the FBI or other like male dominated industries I'm not so sure that you would be automatically fired but that's another thing. Oof. Yeah, you're right. That is some of my like idealism here you should be fired i, I work in therapy so you yeah. would get very fired at my <laughs> yeah, job totally for doing that um so slowly the case is like they're they're trying to figure it out we learn through this that the director of the pageant candace bergen uh Fantastic. is is mad and is on her way out and we realize that she and her son are like doing this yeah her uh, assistant is also her son which she like has been you know she's, to disclose. there's some shadiness and then her son has like a a rap sheet that's like super concerning. long yeah he's a he's a bad dude um and we see through this too like we see him up to bad things he's skeezy we know he's skeezy yeah um from jump um and so uh the the fbi there's a fake like confessing confession from somebody else no no no. it's a real confession so it's a real confession from the, they they find the citizen the actual serial killer and candace bergen and her son were just mimicking they these were other mimicking groups. the citizen yeah so they wanted That's to pin right. pin their like whole thing on on the some other person yeah on the citizen so then when they get caught the boss and everyone's like wanting to shut down the operation, even though Sandra Bullock is like, no, there's something else going on here. Permission to stay behind. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, no, like the boss is super fed up with her. She ends up like resigning, I guess. And they then, give her, well, he gives her permission to stay behind. Um, no, he's, he's like, ha- like hand over your badge and stuff. And oh, your really? Gun. And she gives right. it to Benjamin Bratt, but, Brat, like, but I guess. the right thing. Yeah, she knows she stays yeah. behind, even though she has like none of her resources anymore. Right, and so then, she loses her beauty team, and then yeah. all the women in the pageant come together to like get her. Because she's like, "What is lipstick?" And they're like, "Oh, sweetie." <laughs> yeah, it's ladies. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so uh, you know, of course, the big the the night of the Miss United States pageant is, of course, when the when they uh, you know go to attack, they're going to blow up the crown, the head of the winner. I mean, so can you imagine? The- oh my god, it's like on television. Are you kidding me? I mean, talk about like just forever famous drama. drama. That is like a JFK level. It's real bad. Like drama. Yeah. Anyways, so um, the you know Sandra Bullock after the cr- the queen is crowned, which Sandra Bullock gets runner up. Uh, and after yeah, the winner, Miss Rhode Island is crowned. Sandra Bullock runs and tries to jump on her and like it take looks the like crown she's off just her head. And it looks like she's just trying to steal the crown, which is yeah. actually just really good writing. It is. Um, it's it's really stupid funny. and it's silly and it's obvious, but it's like kind of great writing. I like she's, um, they're crying and like they're crying. Know, like, she yeah. punches uh, one of the Miss Texas in the <laughs> face. Miss Texas, um, and then she throws the crown in the air and it explodes and blows up yeah. the giant cardboard statue of liberty in the back yeah because they're racing against candace bergen and her son trying to like detonate blow up the this bomb yeah. benjamin, so Bratt benjamin Bratt returns because he's yeah. like oh wait there is something up with this because they find out about frank right. the son's rap sheet and he's like okay i'm gonna go back and like back up my like, gracie 
or Grace. And so he's fighting with Frank. They're trying, you know, there's this whole like, as they're crowning it, crowning Miss Rhode Island, there's this, all this tension and craziness with trying to like get the detonator and like, you know, uh, yeah. detonate the bomb. So like, yeah, she throws it in the air as Candace Bergen literally detonates the bomb. Detonates it. So it explodes. It they explodes put Candace in the Bergen air. in jail. They have mm-hmm. a cute little moment that like closes their story nicely where mm-hmm. she gets to be better at beauty or whatever. And mm-hmm. then um, in the end, they bring, of course, Gracie and, uh, you know, Benjamin Bratt kiss because that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in the end, they, they're they like, oh, no, there's another attack. You have to come and help. And she like goes, she's, of course, brought back into the FBI and they like bring her. Right. She was right. And then they bring her and you discover that the, all the women in the pageant have nominated her or like elected her like voted her uh mm-hmm. miss congeniality and she gives a sweet yeah. little speech where she says like this has been so much to me and you know what i really do want world peace <laughs> um which is funny uh it's yeah. a joke throughout the movie y'all have seen it um the only thing that i skipped was the relationship between benjamin bratt and michael kane where michael kane yeah. is gay and benjamin bratt is disgusted by it and at one point literally calls him a fruitcake and i was just like mm-hmm. Ugh. And it's this is the really man we're bad. supposed to be like. He's so handsome and fun, and we love well, him. He's and also it's like, super oh. disgusting and objectifying. We know he's a, show, a chauvinist, and he like yeah. you know he's a womanizer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still the guy, right? He's still mm-hmm. the guy that like gets it, which is you know, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But it definitely was hard for me to be like, oh right, no no no, this is how you love gay people by telling them you hate them, but like tolerating that they're around you. Like was like yeah. not it. It's not it. it. That was that was horrible. I also watched this movie, I should say, just after I was talking with a, a friend about another friend's wedding, where um, a gay wedding, where one of the groom's families is not coming to the ceremony because, no, 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 we love you and we love, you know, your fiance. It's just like we can't, we just can't, like, support that, you know? Which is they going to like, the, like, reception or? Maybe they're going to the reception, but they're not going to the ceremony. I don't know what it is, but it's one of those things that I'm just like, no, nope, that's not love. Bye. Oh, yeah. That's Bye. Bad. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. So I think I saw this like also like just right after I had learned of that in conversation, it was like fuming in my like hundred degree apartment. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, let's talk about some research. Let's talk about what we think. Let's talk about how'd she do. Yeah. I, I feel like we already, like I couldn't help, but like get into it a little bit, but I wanted to start with some statistics because I love statistics. Um, yeah. No, but just about the FBI, because first of all, like you could, you know, Grace was like the only person that you like woman that you saw in this FBI team. Uh, not t- it, not entirely, but like like there were other the women time. in the room when they're when they're like doing the like um lo- the the swimsuit like computer program and things like that. Yeah, yeah there's like, like one like, blonde. You woman. could tell there's a, a huge disparity, and. Um, so I looked up the statistics of FBI staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these are stats from 2019. So like almost 20 years after this movie. So you have to imagine that things are Progress. better now. <laughs> yeah. But um, so of like overall professional staff, uh, it's 58% are women, 42% are men. So it's kind of like majority women of profession. And that's including administrative staff and things yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we're talking about special agents of which Grace Hart is one, is one. Um 80% are men and only 20% are women and that's as of mm, 2019. Mm, so, mm. it's a huge disparity and you you know, I I just was like struck by when they were trying to find someone to go undercover like there are so few options. Uh Right. You know, and I was just like, okay, well, there's not a lot of women in the FBI. Is that actually true? And it seems like it is. It seems like it. It yeah. seems so that's like a little, it. A little fun facts for just you. Just a but cute little fact. A little just uh, gorgeously unsurprising statistical information for, for your nerve. Yeah. Um, and so what I was doing a lot of research on was objectification theory. Mm, um, which I know so, very little about. I'm into this. Yeah, I think it actually plays into a lot of the films that we've um, seen. And so objective objectification theory is a framework that mm-hmm. begins with like 
sexual objectification. And so really, um, this is according to a researcher, Bart Key, um, but sexual objectification occurs when a woman's sexual parts or functions are separated out from her person. Um, and so, you know, regarded as if they were capable of representing her, um, you know, basically separating out what a woman looks like from like who she is as a person. Um, and so those experiences of objectifications, uh, that socialize girls and women to treat themselves as objects, um, Mm -hmm. and to evaluate themselves based upon bodily appearance can Mm -hmm. lead to self-objectification so there's this kind of like you know socially imposed sexual objectification experiences of that lead to these kind of internal Mm self-objectification and this is this is all by frederick frederickson and roberts who are like kind of came up with this framework um but basically internalize that objectification Um, And it's really, it manifests as body surveillance. So this goes into what you're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. Basically, you know, habitually monitoring the body's Mm -hmm. outward appearance. Right. And so those, that like those, that uh, practice of bodily surveillance leads to things like greater body shame, greater anxiety, um, lower internal bodily awareness which i think we've Mm -hmm. talked about before like Mm -hmm. women uh or people who have eating disorders are less aware of their internal um yeah their hunger cues like Mm -hmm. yeah their their actual Um, like sensory experience of their body exactly and so those kinds of behaviors ultimately lead to higher risk for things like eating disorders depression sexual dysfunction, things like that. So that's what this like objectification theory mm-hmm. framework um, talks about. I was mm-hmm. interested. So one of the first things that I was researching was um, essentially like how this happens uh, across age, because I was trying to understand like Candace Bergen's motives for mm-hmm. like someone who's been basically lifelong, uh, you know, around beauty pageants, um, who's, yeah, been like, you know, uh, adhered to these social norms of Mm -hmm. beauty standards. And is there a way that this can manifest, I guess, over time, over age, but the research actually suggests that, um, those symptoms and that kind of, uh, practice of this like body shame and even bodily surveillance decreases, uh, with age. And so, that's, I guess, hopeful for me personally. But, you know, like... Uh, well, I think it's, you know, I think the objectification decreases, but I think, like, a lot of women, and this is anecdotal from things that I'm not, like, this is, I'm not quoting specific research, but I believe I've heard quite a bit about, like, older women experiencing the feeling of invisibility. And so mm-hmm. I think, like, when you're coming from an, an initial stance of objectification, which, again, starts in childhood with women right. and girls... Um, that it makes sense that sort of the opposite of objectification isn't actually like validation, value, and affirmation. It's invisibility, right? Like yeah. the we, the only way that that culturally we're capable of seeing women is as objects. And so if they can't right. be seen as objects, they're not seen. Right. So maybe there's like a decrease in this body monitoring, but like it's yeah. replaced with this these feelings of invisibility. Right, which then because you feel invisible, you're less likely to monitor because the the sort of self-objectification is the result of the external objectification. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that would, I mean, it seems to track. I think it makes sense. If y'all know more about this, send us a DM. Yeah, let us know. Um, I also was looking at um, like not beauty pageants specifically, but like how these messages are received by young women so Mm -hmm. like exposure to magazines social networking sites i mean these are all like not that surprising but self-reported exposure to magazines and social networking sites um was associated with higher self-objectification um but something that was kind of well i guess it, it makes sense but not immediately obvious is positive appearance related comments were shown to be associated with higher self-objectification, um, even more so than like negative, uh, or at least just as much as um, 
negative appearance related comments. So it's like receiving praise about like one's uh-huh. bodily appearance can actually uh like almost activate that self-objectification totally way more as like like a reward system or like a sense of self-worth and that can be as powerful if not more powerful than like being negatively like right you know like g- girls who maybe receive negative comments about their appearance maybe develop other sense of their like i mean we see that in this movie right like not really about their appearance but like she has she has a lot of pride in her intelligence right how hard she works and the job like her entire identity is this job totally um you know and it's it's almost like um there's this like the the way that she sees herself or like identifies is like has to be outside of appearance has to be well and i think it's important like this is pulling on just the the thing that like compliments can also be harmful yeah right like well this is like, an, that, like an, sorry go ahead no you go ahead no i i was just thinking like um a really reinforcing and i think maybe you told me this like reinforcing about like um women and girls who like have eating disorders with their first years these like really positive comments yes. about how great they look because they're losing yeah. weight and it's super yeah. reinforcing for them to continue that behavior. Yeah. Well, and we've, you know, we've talked when we did Saved, right? The thing that blows my mind of, about that movie always, the line that always sticks in my head is when she looks at, the mom looks at Mary and she says, I don't have to worry about you, right? Ugh, I don't have to worry about you. Which yeah. is now telling her, good job not telling me that you're having problems. I'm so glad you're not sharing this with me because I'm not willing to hear it. Even though she sees it as a compliment being like, I'm so glad you're such a good kid. Right. And so like that kind of compliment, you know, oh, you're so beautiful. Oh, you look so great. You know, even in that is now saying like, this is how I value you. Mm-hmm. And like, totally. yeah. Yeah. So, so I feel like, um, that objectification theory leads really well into what you have researched. Yeah. So it does. Absolutely. And we, this is probably the week that like our work really goes so hand in hand. So what I did was um, I just found some studies. I actually found studies from uh, one from 2003 and one from 2005. So like right around the time that this came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually just did research onto like the psychological impacts of pageants and like how, you know, because they say in this movie, like, I feel more liberated now than before. Right. Like Mm -hmm. this pageant actually is about a sisterhood. This pageant really is. And I will say, like, I'm very interested in this in general. My undergrad thesis, I was a sociology major. My undergrad thesis was on sorority life and sorority cultures and the sort of dual identity between like sisterhood, but also like party girl and how Mm -hmm. to like manage those two things. So I'm I'm very into this. Uh, Maybe one day when we do like a movie with Greek life, I'll, I'll talk about my undergrad thesis, which was mediocre at best. But it was interesting for me. Um, but yeah, so um, one of the articles that I looked at was looking at um, body image and beauty and what it does for the self-esteem of pageant contestants. And so this study, um, you know, the, the it looked at exactly what we're thinking about, right? It looked at um, how successful, you know, people have been in pageants. And then it looked at just a few metrics of like whether they reported they wanted to be thinner, whether they were trying to lose weight, um, or whether they'd been told or perceived themselves that they had an eating disorder, hmm. uh, meaning like diagnosed or also just like they themselves were were concerned about their eating. They they found women from uh, this was 130 women from 43 states. Um, 89% of these were pageant finalists or winners. had competed at the national or international level. So of these women, 25 or 26% had been told or perceived that they had an eating disorder that reportedly began at a median age of 16 and a quarter years. 25% Um, you said? 20, 25. Oh yeah. 26%. Yeah. Um, yeah. So quite a few. Um, this is 2003, almost half of them, 48.5% reported they wanted to be thinner 57% 57% were tr- reported that they were currently trying to lose weight. So I think it's interesting that 48.5 want to be thinner, but 57 are actually trying to lose weight. So some of the women are trying to lose weight, but are also like, I don't know that I want to like be thinner. I just want to like 
way less, I guess. Like what? It, it's or, a very or it's odd just like, wig. I, I don't know. I feel like one is more somatic and one is more like psychological. Oh, totally. Like maybe it's just like, yeah, I'm just used to. I'm just always dieting. on a diet. I'm always like looking for new ways to like. Yeah, exactly. Cut calories. Yeah, totally. Um, one of the interesting things was that high self-esteem scores, though, were significantly associated with increased level of competition. So, mm. uh, but not the number of times that women won or were finalists. So what it is saying is that women who are at the like national, international level of pageants do report higher self-esteem. Uh, and that especially women, I mean it sounds like this group of women are like pretty across the board successful I wonder if there's not like enough variability and success to like yeah. see that yeah I, I would think so I also for a second thought you were going to say these women are like you know pretty across the board <laughs> I was like oh yeah I guess like they are they're probably I mean probably they're probably yeah, yeah. They're, they're you know doing alright in pageants but um, uh, anyways and then the other study that I looked at uh, was about outcomes from childhood beauty pageants and mm-hmm. how they're associated with adult disordered eating and mental health. Um, and so this study, uh, you know, looked at adults who had participated previously in uh, childhood pageants, um, you know, the, the toddlers and tiaras. And this is 2005 when this came out. So this is also like very toddlers and tiaras on TV. Yeah. Um, so it is, you know, very, uh, in, we were really talking. This is also post John Benet Ramsey. So we were like talking about these things. Um, and so in this study, they looked at women uh, who are age, with women who are in pa- pageants and women who are not in pageants. And they age match, they, they match them on age and BMI to compare. Uh, and so the childhood pageant participants scored higher on body dissatisfaction. Uh, interpersonal distrust and impulse dysregulation, which is something we talk a lot about in eating. So something like uh, like binge eating would be considered like an impulse dysregulation. Um, then and what the is the interpersonal distrust about? I, I think it's about like, do you see the women you're competing with as sisters or do you see them as, oh, as competition? Yeah, like competition. Oh, dang. Yeah. Uh, and so... Um, the there were no significant differences between groups on measures of bulimia, body perception, depression, or self-esteem. So the findings suggest that childhood beauty pageants might influence influence body dissatisfaction and interpersonal distrust and, and impulse dysregulation, but not necessarily leading to eating disorders, which I think is interesting data in that like we we sort of uh, there's a lot of eating disorder jokes in this movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um there there's uh many right where it's like oh she can't eat that pizza oh who cares she's just gonna throw it all up later anyways and they're all like oh yeah that's right like that's sort of like this like yeah, sweet that little scene was like haunting yeah yeah it's it's rough i mean that's also what leads to the like sexual assault scene so like it you know or the mm-hmm. the, the story of the sexual assault there's right, not a right. sexual assault in this other than the way that men treat and ogle women right. um all the fbi guys trying to watch all the women changing and the thing anyways um but i think it's really interesting to to look at this sort of like the pageant is kind of the ultimate object right you're trying to make yourself this like prime example of beauty mm-hmm. and and poise and and um, you know, and like Sandra Bullock has has all of these body insecurities, which I also find it frustrating that like the dynamic within this film is like, oh, you're either shallow and you care how you look or you hate your body and you're ashamed of it. It's right. like a weird sort of mix where it was like it's, there's a lot of other, you know, directions on this. Um, yeah. You know, and I also think like, it, you know, this movie talks a lot about like femininity and power. And, mm-hmm. and I think, like, it's, it's working to sort of illustrate this idea that, like, there is power in the feminine, um, which, again, like, our sort of cultural experience really s- spends a lot of time being, like, men equal strong, women equal weak. And we've talked right. a lot on this podcast about, like, how the dimensionality of that, this sort of, like, one directional, you know, idea of, like, men strong, women weak is also just, like, 
only if we're basing all of these on the ways that men are strong, right? Like women are right. like not if men as strong design if the we tests. compare the metrics that, that <laughs> right. we use, right? And so like mm-hmm. you, I really, I think all the time about the, the stuff that you shared about like athletics, right? Where you're like, well, if you measure women by like flexibility or balance or stamina or like all these different things, my sister after actually, um, shout out Debbie, after listening to this was like, also, do you know that like when it comes to ultra marathons where people do like 75 miles, like it's like neck and neck, like men and women win just that as, makes just so as much. Sense to me, yeah, based on right, that. Yeah. stamina, endurance, like all of those things. But, but so I think this movie is trying to like, you know, make the point that you know f- there is strength in femininity, which again is such a like a f- sexist statement, even in itself. Right. But like, but again, it does need to be made, right? And so like, I think it is like, it it, it makes sense to me that like the 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 data we see in these pageants actually does kind of map onto what we saw in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, although those women do, uh, you know, have have eating disorders, um, at least they sort of talk about it. I mean, it's We're certainly also never like, named, right? But it's like it's never named. So, and, uh, like, it is so accepted in terms of how they speak and like, like it's just so yeah. Well, and you know, I want to normalize uh, and give a little bit of grace in that, like, let, I also think it's important to talk about the difference between disordered eating and an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And so, like, within the context of this, like, it is, you know, disordered eating. We absolutely know that within the yeah, context we of the it. week of this pageant, they are not eating very much within the mm-hmm. week of this pageant. If the week that you are about to be on national television in a bikini, you do like a crash diet. That is disordered eating. It is not the same as it. Or being even an if you're disorder. like just so nervous that you're not very just hungry. so nervous. Yeah, right. That you're. Well, I mean, these women are seeming no, yeah, pretty they're conscious definitely. Yeah. But but so like I would say like you know doing a diet like this right uh, uh women before their wedding. It's very very common. What was wasn't there a show called Shedding for the Wedding? So like oh, this gosh, sort of like. There? You know, extreme crash diet mm-hmm. is disordered eating. Most of mm-hmm. diet culture is disordered eating. Uh, for more on that, listen to um, Maintenance Phase. It's one of the best podcasts in the world. It is so uh, good. Yeah. Maintenance Phase is so good. But uh, which is talks all about this. So if we're talking about this and you're like, "Ooh, I want to learn more," Maintenance Phase, Maintenance Phase, Maintenance Phase. But um, you know, diets are disordered eating. That's not to say that if you're always on a diet, you have an eating disorder. And and right. it is complicated and it is fraught and it is messy. Go see a therapist. Go talk to an eating disorder specialist. Yeah. Um, and really find because again, like it is it is normal. That is not to say it is good or healthy. It is normal to want to lose a bunch of weight before your wedding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? And that is what we see, you know, to be in a pageant. It it is normal to be like, I really want to lose weight because of our culture, because of how things are. That is not to say it is good. That is not to say it is right. That is not to say it is like, it should be that way. It is but not your fault, but it is. <laughs> it is not your fault, but it is your burden. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. But, uh, you know, diet culture is not our fault, but it is the burden that we have on us. And so we all need to be spending some time really thinking about like uh, our bodies and how we feel about it. And y'all, it is an ongoing conversation for me in my head all the time. Oh, I mean, same. Yeah, totally. Really? I feel like it's more for men than women. <laughs> it's such a thing. It's such a thing. It's such a thing. Um, anyways, we really we really went down it on this one. But I do think like in this movie, there's just so many food triggers for somebody who is struggling with finding balance in for finding sure. a diet and, and struggling with disordered eating. Again, not to say you have an eating disorder. You might. Um, but, you know, there's a lot in this movie that yeah. really like hinges on this idea of like women feeling dissatisfied with their bodies even you know supposedly the 50 most beautiful women in the country yeah per the standards of this pageant and this year uh and all of the other caveats that you know yeah they they may meet those beauty standards more than anyone else in the country but they still have to maintain those Maintenance phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is. I still really enjoyed this movie, though. But it, I, I, it's just like Sandra Bullock is such a gem. She is such a gem. I've also have only heard really, really nice things. Like whenever somebody talks about working with Sandra Bullock, everybody always has the nicest things to say about oh, her. Oh, that's good. I feel um, like whenever yeah. I hear that, I like. I don't know. It makes me really happy. 
It's so yeah. notable. Yeah, people really, really uh, have great things. Even like Rihanna, after oh, wow. after Ocean Ocean's Gate. Eight, Ocean's Eight like had only cool things to say about Sandy. That's B. awesome. Yeah. Also, people call her Sandy. I love um, that. Daniel Radcliffe like went off on how cool and nice she was, and like Daniel Radcliffe is like I think a pretty cool dude. Yeah, he, he seems so cool. Oh, okay, you paused it. I was like, oh, no. Did he no, no, no. I, you know what I was thinking? Well, A, I was thinking about what movie were they in together? Or, like, when did they work together? Um, just now. Oh, like, something upcoming? No, The Lost City that, that, that she just came out with this year. Oh, my gosh. I forgot he was in that. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, I, I thought that movie was... Yeah, I totally forgot. Um, so I'm cute. thinking about really him cute. a lot right now because of the Weird Al biopic. Yes, it looks... Um, that looks... Amazing. Like, legitimately good which is shocking and but also weird al another gem of a person who like is people he only yeah like people only say like wonderfully nice things about him um Bless. so i hope they do him justice i mean he seems to have had a pretty he's in it so i know but i i love i like <laughs> i grew up like listening to weird al like i was like one of those kids so yeah same i listened <sighs> to a lot so of good. weird al a yeah. lot of weirdo. All right. Well, welcome. This is season two, y'all. Season We're back. Two. We have some really cool new big things on the horizon. We're not ready to fully announce or launch those just yet, but we wanted to get back to you. We are mm. also in the plan of process to go back and uh, just judge the audio from our old judge, episodes. Yeah. As I'm becoming more and more savvy with uh, editing. Thank goodness. Um, Oh, thank goodness. Uh, yeah. And uh, Cinderella. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that is a movie I can't wait for us to do. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for your patience with this month. We have yeah, missed we you. you. We are excited to be back. We love you so much. Um, remember to tell a friend. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Tell a second friend. And we'll be back next week. I have been Dr. J.D. Barton. And I have been Dr. Joanna Whitman. Keep it real. Bye. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.